Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. You may have sometimes seen a bumper sticker that reads, Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. There is a lot of truth to a statement like that. Christians, the ones I know, are not perfect, starting with myself. And to be a Christian is really to have come to the living and true God and received forgiveness of sin through faith in Christ by virtue of what Christ has done in our behalf. And it's very true. We are forgiven, not perfect. However, however, Scripture does not leave us in a place where say, oh, um, just be content with being forgiven and have no concern about being perfect. That is not at all the Bible's mindset about those who name the name of God and who are called to be the people of God. In fact, here is our standard. The Lord Jesus himself uh, gave that in the Sermon on the Mount, speaking to the disciples. He said, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. To be a Christian is to be a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, to be adopted by God. And the Father in heaven wants his children here on earth to reflect his character, to be his children. I take pride in how my children have my features. It is not uncommon in our conversations with friends and family to speak of how much a certain person resembles somebody else in the family. The Father in heaven wants a resemblance of his true self in the life and conduct of those who are his children. That seems most reasonable. So God's children shouldn't go around uh, saying, I'm only forgiven, and therefore I might like behave like the devil. This is not a right attitude concerning our calling and what it is that God himself is able to enable us to do. However, in the Christian life, the presence of the flesh is a real thing, but something that is to be overcome, something to overcome which God has already given us capacity, enablement, through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. To I'm speaking of believers, those who have put their trust in Christ and through faith have become children of God. God has given them his spirit to overcome the desires of sin in the body. So the desires of the flesh, sinful desires, do operate in us, and we ought to put those to death, and we should yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit to produce deeds and conduct work which is pleasing to God. When we come to Ephesians chapter 5, at the end of verse 21, the Apostle Paul gives us a warning about practicing sin. He says, after mentioning the deeds of the flesh, he says, I warn you, As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So in contrast to the list of things which are manifestations of sin, which are sexual immorality, idolatry, sorcery, envy, strife, anger, rivalries, division, drunkenness, orgies, etc., is a set of behavior and attitudes and attributes which are 
described as the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Against sexual immorality there is goodness and self-control. Sin produces all forms of deviations of the norm and what is right and appropriate in terms of our sexual behavior. The Spirit of God gives us self-control and goodness and faithfulness in our relationship. Sin produces anger and rage and rivalries and jealousies and bitterness. The Spirit of God produces peace, love, patience, kindness, gentleness. Against fits of anger, we have also self-control. When the Spirit of God comes into our life and we yield ourselves to Him, life should take a different orientation and direction. The fruit of the Spirit now should manifest from us. It begins with love. Love is at the heart of what God has commanded humanity, to love God with our whole heart and being, to love one another as ourselves. God is love, and God has designed us to be loving. It is intent and purpose for us to have love as a defining attribute in our social interactions, and if we, just, if we just think about that and see how far humanity has gone away from God and yielded itself to evil and untruth and to the devil. Our social life is so characterized by hatred and rivalries and competition, not love. God's message comes to us, teaching us to love one another. And this love is demonstrated by God's own gift, to us, God so loved the world that he gave his unique one and only Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love. So God's Spirit, if we yield ourselves to him and seek his strength and power to put to death the contrary impulses in us and desires, will produce in us love, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now the rub is this. All of these call for some voluntary participation on our part. I have to recognize that hatred is wrong and seek God's grace to be forgiving and loving. I have to recognize that jealousy is wrong and, and flee to God saying, God, take this, this heart of of jealousy and, and envy out of me and give me the right attitude. I must practice faithfulness when temptations come to be unfaithful. I must bear the cost and the loss and keep my word when keeping my word seems to have an unanticipated cost. This is the calling of God. And when we respond in faith obedience this way, God comes to our side and affirms the goodness of our conduct through his encouragement and through his reward. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
it is helpful for Christians if they take time to go through these things and examine their own life. There are many who have professed the gospel for decades and gone through life, and they might look at their life and say, you know, I've been a Christian since I was a child. I came to Jesus, gave my heart to Jesus when I was 10, when I was 5. But I have not been a joyful person all these years. I have, I have been bitter. I have been complaining. I've been murmuring about my lot in life. I've been bitterly disappointed about all the, the raw deals of life that I have been dealt. I have never experienced the joy of God. And you might think about why that is so. You might actually come to see, boy, in spite of having been given all the hope that I have in Christ, my heart has been set on a lot of other earthly things. You know, it is so much more true about the common experience of, of life, even as Christians, than one might imagine. We are promised amazing things, wonderful things, and all of which are true, and all of these are real in Christ, and yet we tend to live a very earthly-minded life with just one hand clinging to the heavenly hope. God wants our heart to be entirely set in its focus and in its wonder on the, on the glory that is to be brought to us through Christ. On the, on the glory and wonder of the love that has already been brought to us in the gift of Christ through the cross. To think about how much God has loved me and Christ has loved me and the Spirit of God loves me. To have saved me, for Christ to have died for me, for the Spirit to keep company with me. When our heart then turns to these realities associated with the gospel, the mind changes. When my mind is fixed on the wonder of God's love for me and the marvelous hope that the gospel brings to me, then my earthly-minded bitterness and complaining spirit and this peeves about these silly things that happened so long ago, they are forgotten and I experience and the joy and the rejoicing and the peace and the delight of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And these things, I have to say, in the light of Scripture, these are not automatic. These are ours to experience. But we should yield our thinking and our heart and our priorities and our minds to the truth of God to enter into these fully. And once... My life is led by God's Spirit, and I'm experiencing these good things, then I don't need to worry about the Ten Commandments. If I am led by the Spirit, the things that come out of my life are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And there's no law against these things. There's no law that condemns the good fruit of the Spirit of God working in the hearts of people who have turned to God and received the new life. So I do not need the law to regulate and repress me and keep me under control and keep me under obedience. If I'm walking by the Spirit, what comes out of my life are things which have, there's no condemnation upon them. So this, in, in addressing the new dynamic connected with the new life through faith in Christ, the Apostle Paul is also addressing a problem he raised earlier. 
it is in what is going on in Galatia is a desire to impose law-keeping as a standard of life on those who have turned to Christ. And Paul says, there's no more room for it. There's no place for it. It's an earlier phase of the life of the people of God. It is done, finished. The new life is lived by the Spirit. And if you live by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are such things against which there is no law. There's no more relevance then of this living under the law if you're walking by the Spirit. And the calling then for a Christian is to walk by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit produces in us mature conduct. And so then we don't have to worry about regulations which are put in place for those who are spiritually immature, who haven't really come into the full experience of the life of God. That's a spiritual immaturity pertaining to the earlier stage of the people of God. Christ brings us the fullness. Christ brings us the Spirit. He brings us a changed heart on which is written the law of God so that from within we want to seek to please God. And God's Spirit produces that life which pleases God and we are free. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.